Our book this morning entitles this lesson, Christian uh, Metaphors. Again, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And Peter's going to write and use some analogies there and, and things. And our introduction starts out with defining the uh, figure of speech of, of a metaphor, uh, one thing as if it's another, and telling us that it helps us to understand um, lesser known concepts, it says, by comparing them to known truths. For instance, it gives us an example there in Psalms 23 and Verse 1 says, David used a metaphor when he famously wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. So in that statement, he was comparing God's relationship with him to the relationship a shepherd has with his flock. Uh, to emphasize God's ability to care and uh, provide for and protect his people, and using that analogy helps us to understand um, the uh, relationship the Lord's willing to have with those who follow him. And so these, uh, these metaphors are going to be used in the New Testament here in our passage today uh, to help describe the church. Uh, it gives an example there in the scripture where Paul uh, told... Uh, Told Timothy, things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The church, uh, as the introduction lays out, is said to be the house of God and the pillar and the ground of truth. And those comparisons... Um, tell us about the church. The house of God, the church, like the temple, must be a place of worship characterized by holiness as the pillar and the ground of truth. Also puts a statement there that a, it must provide the basis from which truth radiates. Uh, and the rest of the introduction there compares the church to the body, we often say the body of Christ, a flock, um, a bride, a family. Um, so these analogies um, and these known concepts help us better understand the purpose and the identity of the, the church. Uh, in using these different analogies and metaphors and things. Um, in our text, what is the metaphor? What are, what are, what are we seeing here today in, in the wording of our text? Yeah, newborn babes, precious stones, sojourners, uh, in the rest of the introduction there, it says a newborn babe must do what? Grow and develop. 
must have the things that it needs, the appropriate nutrition, if you will, uh, when it comes to food. And we go to great extremes when we have those uh, young ones to make sure that they're healthy, don't we? Um, I can remember when our children were born and growing up and, and stuff, they, you take them to the doctor and they always had recommendations for this and that, and need to have this, make sure they're getting this vitamin, make sure they're getting enough iron, make sure they're all this stuff, and they give you these um, checklists and uh, are they meeting these milestones? Can they do this now at this age? Can they do that at this age? And, and it often helps to identify what? Their growth, maybe, maybe on the negative side, their delays. Um, and if our children are, I can remember on some of those things that maybe one of our children might not have done this at this age, whatever. And I can remember going, man, are they going to be? Are they not going to be able to do anything? Or does that mean something? I don't know if y'all ever went through there or not, but I did. I was like, okay. I can remember, um, what was it? Uh, oh. Uh, it was the, uh, the sound of R. I can remember laying in bed at night with Adriana and going, it's not, uh, it's her. And she goes, go, uh. I said, no, it's not, uh, it's her, which was a common thing with young children, uh, that letter sound. Um, but I was like, okay, we can't have this. We got we to work on this. Um, so as newborn babes, they grow and develop, and sometimes it helps to, uh, these questionnaires and things that we go through physically helps us to know where the delays are. Now you flip that coin on the spiritual side. Do we spend as much concern and time when our children don't know the plan of salvation or they don't know how many days it took to, to create the world and how many books are in the Bible or how many in the new, how many in the old or do, do we have that kind of concern then? Uh, and I think that's an honest question uh, for us to, today. Uh, so again, newborn babes grow and it talks about precious stones, uh, thinking about things that are very valuable. Um, we're now the people of God and sojourners or pilgrims, uh, we often hear that. Uh, we are not, this is, we sing that song, this is not, this is not my home, yeah. Uh, so I'm just passing through. Um, and, you know, you're talking about a pilgrim or a stranger or a sojourner. Um, and the book points out, says that we should not live for it. What does that mean, we should not live for it? <clears throat> what do you think? That's right. Uh, sometimes I think we get way too involved in love with the world, the things of the world. Maybe not always physical things, um, but maybe the, 
I don't know, maybe the things we enjoy here, we enjoy them way too much. And, and when we do that, we tend to put God on the back burner um, with a lot of things. And, you know, there's a lot of beautiful places in this world and a lot of, a lot of fun things to go and do um, and enjoy in this world. And, and right here, especially where we live, we live in a beautiful place right here. Beautiful lakes and rivers and these hills and what I used to call mountains. Uh, but uh, even those things, God never in create, created those things for you to or for us to say, oh, I'd rather enjoy that than be with you or do what you would have me to do. And a lot of people, uh, if you don't believe me, just go to the area of lakes on the weekend. Uh, and and see as I passed this morning I passed some folks who who were standing on the side of the river going fishing and I just thought I said you know they either didn't have any raising and didn't know or they do know and just refusing to go and be with the Lord today um, so it's it's really Really, really sad. But again, all three comparisons the book says individuals whose faith has was been tested by fire and they continue to be needed today. Uh, it lays out too in the introduction says those who are um, face persecution must grow spiritually, lest they become too weak to, weak to go on. Realize their value to God, lest they be discouraged. And sometimes I think we we miss we miss that boat of how valuable each one of us is to God. We often compare our value to man and what man thinks. Um, whether someone likes us or how many likes we get on social media or um, how many of you have ever looked at social media and said, well, so-and-so didn't like my post? Anybody ever done that? Um, you know, we, we, often, we often put our value to what people think, and most certainly we have a reputation to keep. Don't get me wrong, but our value lies with God, and we're valuable to God. God has done a great deal for you um, throughout the history of his people, uh, he continues to offer those things uh, in a great value because we're value, we're precious stones. Um, we're part of God's family. When you're baptized into Christ, you became part of Christ's body, God's family, and that's just that's nothing just to shirk off. That's nothing just to say, well. You know, I, yeah, I'm baptized, and I, I know I'm, I'm in the family. And blah. that's that's not that's, it's, that's an important thing. It's a valuable thing. It's something that should mean something to us. Um, you know, you think about you think about the things that we enjoy through spirituality and through God and the Bible, and the things that God has blessed you with throughout your life right now. Maybe we think about our children. 
Maybe we think about our health. Maybe we think about our homes, uh, the material things that God has allowed us to have. But you think about what about the spirituality, the hope of heaven. Jesus died for us. He created this world for us to enjoy. He gave us the he gives us the health to continue to work, to support our families, to have the material things that we have in our church family. And uh, what we have, the fellowship that we have with one another, if all of that was taken away, what would it be? Would it mean anything to you? Let's just say, if they took away all your material things, how would that make you feel? Anybody? Y'all all awake back there today, right? How would that make you feel? If all the material things that you had were taken away, how would you feel? Rejected. Didn't have nothing. All right. What about if all your spiritual things were taken away? Would it bother you as much? I hope so. If your relationship with God and the fellowship with God's family right here was taken away, I hope you would. Yeah. When we had the pandemic and we were away from each other for a long while, I missed that. I don't know. I hope you did. Um, but you, you think about that. If all that was taken away, would you truly miss it? Some people, uh, as I talk to brethren across the brotherhood, some still haven't returned. Uh, I don't know that they'll ever return. Um, we've made it too easy now, I think. It's a great thing, some of the things that we do, streaming and stuff, but for people who are shut in and things, but it's time... It's time to move on from that. Um, yeah, people need people. Um, so, uh, again, the introduction there lays that out. The first section, newborn babes. We've talked a little bit already about that, but it says, those who obeyed the truth. What does it say right after that? So, go back to when you obeyed the gospel. Go back to the very day, morning, night, or evening that you were baptized. Did you live differently from the world from that point on? Go back to that. Hope you did. For the majority, I think most of us can say that. Um, did you know everything about the church? Did you know everything? Everything in the Bible? No, you didn't. You didn't know that. When a little baby's born, they come into the world. Do they know anything? They know to cry. Cry and poo-poo. I remember that about my kids. Woo! That was an eye-opener for a daddy. 
I'll never forget Adriana. She was three, three or two or three years old when Mike was born. Boy, she wanted to, she wanted to take care of him like a baby doll. She wanted to change a diaper. Well, we put him on the table and she changed him. He just wet all over. I remember she ran through the house screaming. And then from that point on, they've been best buddies. <laughs> um, but they don't know anything. They have to be taught, don't they? Um, you know, Peter noted that it, uh, we're to live different from the world. And by that, we're to put away, he gives us a list of things here, doesn't he? Malice. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Because he point, the book points out that these behaviors are associated with who? Satan, unbelievers, people who are not people of God. Uh, and they should not be true of Christians. Now, one, one writes here, Peter urged them to take off the old way of life like a man who stripped himself of old clothing. Paul had used that same figure of speech when he urged new Christians not only to believe in the Lord, but to live in imitation of him, Ephesians 4 and 22, a new man according to God. Put off the old and put on the new. Peter warns of those sins. His audience there impacts relationships in one way or the other. All evil speaking, slander, malice, and antagonistic attitude or action and deceit, hypocrisy and envy are malicious attitudes. Those actions. Christians are to love one another fervently with a pure heart. And the transformation from malicious to loving behavior requires growth. He wrote to those, as the book points out, who had been born again. And he compares them there, as we know, as newborn babes. Since this comparison is important, for it reminds us of both our need for growth and the dependence we must have on God's word. We must, as Peter noted, desire the pure milk of the word in order to grow. And I've got a note there. Not only knowledge, we're, com we're commanded to grow in, in what? The grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. But not only knowledge, a lot of people think that growth is only in knowledge. But what's the other aspect of that? Truth and love. Truth and love. Active. What's, huh? Active. active. Faith. And I guess we could put all that under one umbrella and say maturity. Mature. Have we matured from when we become? Now you think about, Paul writes also, he says, when I was a child and became a man, he done what? Put away 
put away childish things. Um, that could be in, in our own lives as far as character, spirituality. Some people never put those things away, do they? Um, <clears throat> how's a child act uh, when they if they if it's not something they really don't want to do what do they do sulk throw a fit refuse um, sometimes adults act that way don't they so I, if you gave your child their favorite activity this morning, if you, if you said to your child, okay, whatever, whatever it is, I don't know what their favorite activity is. Uh, mine, I could say to mine, mine would be fishing, golfing, and staying home reading a book. That would describe all three of mine. You've got that, you've got that opportunity. You can choose that or you can choose to come to church. And if they're young and unmature, what would they? What would you think they'd choose? They're going to choose their hobbies more than likely. Some people older are like that. Um, we have a choice this morning to be here. We have a choice tonight to be here. So when one, when one is not mature, no matter what age they are, one is not mature, they will not choose the thing that is commanded or the thing that is desired by God or their parent a lot of times. But we as parents have to what? Train them and guide them. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, I had a drug problem. He said, they drug me to church every time the doors was open. And he said, I'm glad they did. Um, so you think about that. Spiritual maturity. A lot of, and it may not just be in that area. It may be in other areas. Um, it may be in Bible knowledge. It may be in our attitude. You know, if, if a child is told no, they often sulk or they often get mad and throw a tantrum and, or, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I was teaching, I was giving a, a training in the county not too long ago and had uh, 20, 25 teachers there. And, and uh, I was talking about how um, kids react to different things and uh, smiling or laughing at their parents. Um, when they were getting on to them or disciplining them, or whatever, and so and so, that's just how my kid deals with things, and you know, and I've got to understand this, that, and other. And then, oh, um, uh, Bobby Dale, uh, what's his last name? Bobby Dale, Tom. Yeah, he said I did that one time. <laughs> he said I did that one time, and he said that's all it took. And he said I, he said I can't remember. He said I had braces, and he said my mama popped me in my mouth, and he said. I, my mouth bled for a half a day. <laughs> but he said, I did that one time. <laughs> um, so, again, we have to be trained. Um, and there has to be a desire. Uh, there's a, there's a, our growth and, and everything depend, is dependent upon God. 
We're totally dependent upon it. Desire the pure milk of the word. Um, you know, it gives you the, the, the commentator down here talking about a baby cries out for nourishment of his mother's milk. Christians should yearn for the nourishment of the word of God. Um, you know, new converts uh, need that and maybe compared to newborn infants. Now, we've, if we've been in the church for years and we're still at some of these lower levels, something's not right. Something's not, uh, we're missing some, something. We're, we're, we need to be reminded of what vitamin to be taking, I guess. Um, when things are low, we go get our blood work done. When things are low, the doctor told me the other day, he said, you're going to have to start taking some vitamin D. Oh, uh, well, guess what? Got some vitamin D. Needs to get that back where it needs to be. Um, that's the way we should look at our Christian lives as well. Second section there, 4 through 10, uh, time's sake, we won't go read it. Um, but precious stones. Those who do get to the point and, and who long for that nourishment of God will seek to develop a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and, pre and precious. Um, that Jesus is under, under consideration is made clear by the Old Testament passage quoted in verses 6 through 8. Uh, Isaiah 28 and 16. Um, the, the convert, uh, conversation in Zion um, or a cornerstone, rather, in Zion, and uh, indeed a living stone, it quotes it there, um, uh, stumbling for non-believers in Isaiah 8 and 14. He is a living stone because death could not hold him. Um, you know, a, a comparison to the idols, he was a living stone, not a dead one as the idols of the Gentiles, if you remember, um, probably drew this theme from Psalms 118, the book says, over on page 28. Uh, stone rejected by the builders becomes the cornerstone. Um, we see that he mentions here the religious leaders despised Jesus by crucifying, but God made him the cornerstone by raising him. But it points out those who follow Jesus, described as living stones. And it gives us a notation here, or a sentence here, reminds us that we can enjoy eternal life because he lives. Those who unite with Jesus are being built up a spiritual house, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The temple and the worship that take place therein does not mean the church is, is uh, identical to the temple, but there are differences. Guy and Wood points out, in this spiritual house, the church, there's a holy priesthood. The figure changes from a building contemplated as a structure composed of many stones to a house occupied by servants. The servants are designated as priests. And it gives you the analogy in the Old Testament of uh, how the priests under the law of Moses there constitute a special class of people. 
And uh, inasmuch as all Christians are authorized to engage in the worship of God, all Christians are priests, and thus together constitute a priesthood of believers. They've been separated, the book says, uh, to the sacred purpose of worship before the altar of God. Um, so again, those precious stones, precious stones is just not like some other old stone, is it? Yeah. It has value, doesn't it? Precious stones. Um, they're guarded. Precious stones are guarded, aren't they? That one diamond they got up there in Washington, I don't I can't remember the name of it. Uh, y'all probably know what I'm talking about. They got all kind of sensors around it. It's in glass and largest diamond in the world or something. Uh, it's God, it's precious. It's beautiful. You think about comparing all of those adjectives to what a Christian should be. should be beautiful. It's got value. Um, so again, uh, that make up that, that house, the temple uh, of God. But anyway, all those who rejected Jesus and crucified him failed to recognize his worth. His, uh, the rejection of Jesus was not unforeseen. Um, Peter wrote, They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. And this does not mean the disobedient had no choice. Rather it means what? They chose the wrong one. Yeah. It's just like today. All people have a what? A choice. It's that simple. You have a choice. You have a choice to be faithful to God or not be faithful. I mean, that's, that's just a choice. Um, you have faithful to, for him to have value to you or you have, faith, you have a choice to, for, them to, for him to have value. You have a choice to do what he says to what he, or what he doesn't. You know, he tells us not to do. Uh, everybody has a choice. We're free moral agents. But those who choose the correct path are the ones who what? Will be the winner. That's the key. Now, whether you think, think this or not, God's going to win. <laughs> you may not think so. It may look dim, it may look difficult, but in the end, when everything is said and done, as to say, when all the bills is paid, when all the hay is in the barn, God and God's people are going to win. It takes a lot to be God's people. It takes years of service, years of faithfulness, Take sacrifice. Sacrificing our own desires, what we want to do. Take sacrifice to be able to be a winner in the end. The rest of that section there says the term appointed does not mean they are unconditionally doomed to a certain fate. Um, 
and he goes on to give an explanation of that. And at the very bottom, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, a peculiar people, not weird, but different from the world. What's the world, what's the majority of the world doing this morning? Forsaking the assembly, that's right. That's what the majority of them are doing. What will the majority do tonight? Same thing. But the scripture says, if you're going to win, you've got to be different. You can't be like the rest of the world. When everybody else says, I'm going here and doing this, you're saying, no, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's the difference. Whatever, in whatever case, whether it be a service or whether it be whatever. You've got to be different than the world. Sojourners, the last section there in the last few minutes that we have, he reminded them of their temporary status. I think that's key right there. I'm going to tell you, we are only here temporarily. You know what? 52 years old, I'm closer to being dead and gone than I was yesterday. <laughs> 60 don't seem as old as that used to seem. <laughs> right closer to being off this old world no longer a sojourner or a pilgrim flip over aliens and strangers foreigners exiles Christians are a temporary situation they do not possess the same privileges and rights as the citizens of the country in which they live they are strangers in a world that is foreign to them they live on earth for only a brief period they know what their citizenship is where? In heaven. That's where I'm a citizen, and that's where I'm headed. And I hope you are. But we're only going to get there by doing and obeying what God has said and being faithful to him and sacrificing some stuff in our life. That's the only way. Obeying what he has said. Doing good works along with faith. Obedience. That's how we're going to. That's how we're going to make it. Those sojourners, Peter urged his readers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, because time is limited. We must serve the Lord rather than destructive lusts. When we behave properly, we make an impact on our community. Now that's a key. A light set on a hill. What impact are you or myself making on the community in which you live? That's the question. Are we making an impact at all? When people look at you and say, well, where's that? Stories told of an old farmer who got trapped under, under a uh, tractor and he laid there in the freezing temperatures and the wet rain and snow and for hours and hours and it came church time and he wasn't there and he was only saved by the church members because they knew he wasn't there 
And they knew that if he missed, something what? Was terribly wrong. Now, if that can't be said about us, we've got some work to do. We love things of this world way too much. I'm not saying we can't have fun. I'm just saying there has to be some priority there. I see the kids are out there now waiting. Uh, Applications are good. I'm sure you've read those and the questions that we've answered those. Um, But let's end with a prayer uh, this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the day and the blessings of it, the good night's rest we've had. To be able to come here this morning and study your word and be reminded that we are pilgrims. And that we are a special people and we have value with you. And Father, we pray through this study that we will live closer to you and be faithful to you. And abstain from those things that are in the world that we uh, love to do. But we love you more. Father, help us be that example to the community to each other, exhort one another, uplift one another. Be with us as we worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, and we can say it's been good to be here. And Father, we're thankful for our fathers and what they mean to us. Continue to bless us as a father and help us to serve you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.